Our scripture today is 1 Peter chapter 2. We're going to read verses 4 through 5 and verses 9 through 10. This is what the scripture says. Now you are coming to him as a living stone. Even though this stone was rejected by humans, from God's perspective, it is chosen, valuable. You yourselves are being built like living stones into a spiritual temple. You are being made into a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people who are God's own possession. You have become this people so that you may speak of the wonderful acts of the one who called you out of darkness into his amazing light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. This morning, I have the honor of welcoming Mike Shipley to give our message today. Mike is our lay leader, and Mike does some wonderful things for the life of our church. He not only leads our young adult ministry and our Soup for the Soul ministry, along with his wife, Sally, um, but he also does a lot of things behind the scenes as well. As our lay leader, he pretty much attends all of our committee's meetings, and he always has wonderful uh, input to give to me and to the committees and Mike just serves as a wonderful spiritual leader and mentor for our church family and so um, he's going to give our message today about how we can be a priesthood of believers. Come on Mike. Well good morning everyone. Uh, Delaney thank you for such a kind introduction I don't know if I deserve all those those kind comments those of you who really know me know that I really don't um, most of you know me uh, some of you know me very well but for those of you who don't know me consider yourselves lucky and blessed can I hear an amen Billy that's what I'm talking about I don't have a funny story uh, or a joke to tell, uh, but I did have a great idea. Uh, I was going to tell you that I snuck a camera into the last uh, church council meeting, and I was going to play you a clip from that council meeting. Uh, but the clip I was going to show was Abbott and Costello's Who's on First. Uh, the boss, I'm sorry, Delaney, Sally told me that I couldn't do that. Uh, but anyway, it was, it was a thought to count it. I was really, really, really looking forward to looking back at Mike and saying, roll that beautiful bean footage. <laughs> I just lost my moment of, you know, stardom. So anyway, say a quick prayer. Heavenly Father, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you. Lord, my rock and my redeemer, amen. Before I get started, I would like to say one thing. I'm so blessed and I'm so honored to see the adult small group here this morning. Um, they're here, hopefully, to support me. If not, um, just let me feel like you're here to support me. But 
I just want to tell you how proud I am of these young adults. Uh, when I look around and I'm thinking, you know, who is going to be around to replace us when we're gone? And when I look at our young adults, I have comfort in my soul. I have confidence. Uh, and I know that everything's going to be okay because they are a great bunch of young adults. And I thank you so very much. Well, this morning I would like to talk to you about the priesthood of all believers. We're going to take a look at what is the priesthood of all believers? What is the mission of the priesthood of all believers? And what are the characteristics of that mission? I want us to reflect this morning on our active participation in the fellowship of the Christian community. Much of the world has turned away from Christ, and our world is on a collision course with destiny. Our society appears to be upside down and inside out. At times, our families are torn apart over meaningless and trivial matters. Some of us may be going through depression, anxiety, loss, and other conditions that calls us to question who we really are and who we belong to. Humanity is suffering from separation anxiety, separation from our Creator and His Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. The evidence of how our world is living apart from God should be a blinding flash of the reality. Just turn on your television your radio, or social media. The moral and ethical decline, the lawlessness, and our inhumanity toward each other is just absolutely jaw-dropping. As Christians, we either seek solutions to problems that are within our sphere of influence and control, or, sadly, we turn a blind eye. Everything around us is so discouraging. Instead of complaining, we should seek solutions to the problems and place uh, them into action. The solutions and the source of our contentment and happiness is found only in God's grace and his son, Jesus Christ. With two boards and three nails, God bridged the separation between humanity and himself. First, uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 18 through 20 says, All of these new things are from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ, and who gave us the ministry of reconciliation. In other words, God was reconciling the world to himself through Christ. By not counting people's sins against them, he has trusted us with this message of reconciliation. So we are ambassadors who represent Christ. God is negotiating with you through us. We beg you as Christ's representatives, be reconciled to God. God calls us, you and I, to be a part of the solution and not the problem. Working hand in hand with Jesus, we can make a difference in the world around us. So the question is, what do you say? 
Are we going to be part of the solution? Or are we going to be part of the problem? So what does the word priest conjure in your mind? How about the Pope? It's for our Catholic brothers and sisters. How about the Archbishop of Constantinople? That's for our Orthodox friends. Well, how about Melchizedek? We heard about him in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. How about the term priesthood of all believers? This means that all believers, laity and clergy alike, are called and given the authority to be priests to one another. Wow, that sounds exciting, doesn't it? Laity is priest. Who would have ever thunk that? Now, some of you are thinking, oh, no, 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 not me. I don't want anything to do with that. Not me. Please, no. I don't want to do anything to do with that. To be part of the priesthood of all believers does not mean every person acts as his or her own priest. Rather, the priesthood of all believers means that all believers, clergy and laity alike, are called and given authority to be priests to one another and to serve as instruments of God's grace in other people's lives. In other words, the priesthood of all believers expresses the core of the Protestant Reformation. It is the biblical concept critical to understanding the church and the role of the laity in the church. All believers are baptized in Christ and all are one in Christ. We are all members in the body of Christ. Therefore, no individual is more important than the other. This means that the popular understanding that the clergy do ministry and we, the laity, consume it is wrong and unbiblical. The laity and the clergy work as partners, not adversaries. There is only one catch. And you knew that was coming. Everyone is quite aware, or should be aware, and contrary to social media, there's absolutely nothing in life that's free. And I'm sorry, and I hate to bring the bad news, but nothing. So, oh my goodness, where do we go from here? So what does God want from me? What are his expectations of us? We are God's representatives to people. Well, what people? Well, for example, as we depart the sanctuary this morning, we head out into the world. We represent God in the restaurants that we're going to eat in. We represent God in our places of work. We represent God in the grocery stores and the shopping centers that we go to. We even, and this is, this is very important, we even represent God on the highways and byways of Oxford, Alabama. Now, that doesn't mean when somebody makes us mad, we give them that popular salute <laughs> and we keep driving. So, you know, we can't do that. <laughs> Although some people do deserve it, but I can't do that. <laughs> we are the people's representative to God. The people we encounter, the ones we love, 
the friend of a friend, our next door neighbor, our in-laws and our outlaws, and of course, the unknowns, those who are counted as the least, the last, and the lost of this world. We should pray and petition to God on behalf of them. When we can't find the words, the Holy Spirit makes intercession for us to God. The greatest and probably the simplest way to help someone in need is to pray for them. Simply said, anyone who has experienced God's love, acceptance, and forgiveness is part of the priesthood of all believers. God has blessed us to be a blessing to others. I've said that many times and I can't underscore how important that statement is, that God has truly blessed us to be a blessing to others. We can extend God's grace to others and help them experience his grace and forgiveness. Jesus is our great high priest. He is our high priest once and for all. Jesus represents God to us and represents us to God. All believers, each and every one of us, share in this priesthood. Members of the Christian community are a royal priesthood. As I said earlier, we serve as priests to one another. This is what it means to be the church. People who have experienced grace and sharing that gift with others that we come into contact with on a daily basis. So here's a good question. What usually happens when a Methodist church starts a new ministry or mission? Very good. I also thought I heard somebody mumble under their breath that we eat. Yes, we form a committee and we eat, right? We eat, we eat, we eat. We usually create a committee, and a committee for that committee and so on and so forth. But anyway, we usually create a committee to study the proposed ministry. So then, the question lies, who is appointed to serve on that committee? And greater than that is, who is uh, appointed to lead that committee? Well, someone else, naturally. Someone else usually does it. Now, I've said this story, I told this story before. Some of y'all might remember it, but I think it's fitting for this, this talk this morning. The following obituary appeared, appeared recently and provides a fitting eulogy of this well-known church member. Our church was saddened to learn recently of the death of one of our most valued members. After only a short illness, someone else has passed away. Someone's passing creates a vacancy that will be difficult to feel. Else has been with us for many years, and for all those years, someone did far more than a normal person's share of work. Whenever there was a job to do, 
a class to teach, or a meeting to attend, everyone agreed that someone else should do it. Whenever leadership was mentioned, this wonderful person was looked for to for inspiration as well as results. We often heard, someone else can work with that group. It was common knowledge that someone else was among the most generous givers in our church. Whenever there was a financial need, everyone just assumed that someone else would make up the difference. Someone else was a wonderful person, sometimes appearing superhuman. Obviously, everyone expected too much of someone, and now someone else is gone. Someone left a wonderful example to follow. But who is going to follow it? Who will do what someone else did? Well, God has a mission just for us. Yes, it is true that God does have great expectations for you and me. As a matter of fact, God has so many plans for us, it would make your head explode like if we knew everything that he had in store for us at one time. Through God's mercy and grace, he takes ordinary people like you and me, and he empowers us through his Holy Spirit to do extraordinary things. The only thing standing in God's way is us. In the simplest of terms, so that I can understand, our mission is to make Christ real for others in all circumstances. The church is not a building or an institution. The church is a living, breathing ministry of love. The church is the community of believers in active ministry, the royal priesthood, the body of Christ in the world. We simply don't belong to the church. We are the church wherever we are. We serve as channels of God's grace. We share love, acceptance, and forgiveness for those who enter our lives. We are called to proclaim the mighty acts that God has done in our lives. The first Peter 2.9 says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people who are God's own possession. You have become this people so that you may speak of the wonderful acts of the one who called you out of darkness into his amazing light. God has put into our hands the keys to his reign, the power to bind or unbind people as found in Matthew 16, 19, by how we share or withhold that grace that God has given to us. I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Anything you fasten on earth will be fastened in heaven, and anything you loosen on earth will be loosened in heaven. To a person who is pain or down on his or her luck, the words, God loves you, a simple prayer, or to just sit quietly by their side 
can represent God's grace and his presence. I've said this many times before, and it's worth saying again. Like I said before, we are blessed by God to be a blessing to others. So let's look at some of the characteristics of the mission. The first, how have you, the laity of this church, and I, participated in the priesthood of all believers right here in Oxford? Some examples would be our wonderful choir and the wonderful music that the choir and Martha brings to us. It's so beautiful, it's so inspiring. How about our Sunday school teachers? They do an awesome job with our children. We trust our children to them. And I think our Sunday school teachers are doing a wonderful job. Then we have the visitation ministry. We have the community food bank that meets once a month on Wednesdays. They hand out food to our community. How about the men's and the co-ed softball team? Our Emmaus community, Interfaith Ministries, Community and Abler, Soup for the Soul, Meals on Wheels. And there are countless, countless other examples that are known only by God. Usually we don't find out that so-and-so did something for most of their lives in our church until they're gone. But there are so many things that are done behind the scenes, like Delaney said, that no one will ever know about except God. So for a little church, we have got a lot of stuff going on, don't we? I know, I know beyond any shadow of a doubt that God is smiling at Oxford First right now. Okay, this mission must be personal. We must make a commitment to God. We need to start with ourselves. We should say, yes, God, here I am. Use me as you will. Mend me and mold me as you see fit. It must start with us. This is God's love story told through us to all humanity to hear and see. You must be authentic. Sometimes you hear a preacher say that I'm going to start meddling now. So, I'm sorry. We have to be authentic. If you're playing in the pews, instead of praying in the pews, everybody is going to know it. You must be yourself. And that includes being vulnerable. You must be willing to expose yourselves to others so that they can truly see the miracles that God has done in your lives. Others need to see and understand that God took us broken, depressed, lonely, full of anxiety, and at the end of our ropes, and turned us into something truly wonderful through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. You must be spiritual. Now I'm not saying spiritual in a, in a crazy kind of way, but being able to articulate to others 
that being spiritual goes far beyond life after death. It encompasses the wholeness of life in this world according to God's will. The mission is service-oriented. The mission is not to act on our own authority, but as representatives of Jesus. The mission is to serve as Jesus served. We find in John 13, 12 through 15, after he washed the disciples' feet, he put on his robes and returned to his place at the table. He said to them, do you know what I've done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you speak correctly because I am. If I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you too must wash each other's feet. I have given you an example, just as I have done, you also must do. The mission is shared and requires teamwork. The clergy and laity work side by side, partners, not adversaries. None of us can accomplish Jesus's ministry alone. Remember, Jesus's first action was to call together 12 others so that they could share in his life and his mission. Stephen Burney wrote in his book, Fire and Coventry, the laity had come to see with a shock that they were the frontline soldiers of the church. They, not the clergy, were the representatives of Christ who were actually present in the factories, shops, and offices, schools, and homes of the country. If Christ's compassion was to get into those situations, then they, the laity, must be the channels through which it would come. If Christ's truth was to be spoken, then they, the laity, must speak it. The mission calls for our absolute best. Lukewarm or straggling the fence just simply won't work. Think about it. Jesus gave his absolute best for us. We find in John 3, 16, that God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him would not perish but will have eternal life. The mission calls for our best attitude, ability, and action. In turn, we are called to give our absolute best to Christ. Well, this morning we explored the meaning of the priesthood of all believers. All believers, lay and clergy, are called and given authority to be priests to one another. We talked about the mission of the priesthood of all believers. Our mission is to make Christ real for others in all circumstances. And we talked about the characteristics of that mission. It must be personal. It must be authentic. It must be spiritual. It must be service-oriented. It must be shared and requires teamwork. And it requires our absolute best. God calls Christians today not to be passive participants in the problem, 
but to be active partners in mission, to be the church. Each one of us, laity and clergy, has a personal, shared, and non-transferable mission to make Christ re real by bearing witness to him in all that we do and share his grace so that others may know God's salvation. We are the hands, feet, and voice of God to a lost and dying world. If we, the laity, working in unison with our clergy, will not do it, then who will? Amen.